It's the Afternoon Delight on ESPN Pittsburgh. Wesley Euler with you here. All of our guests on the show brought to you by the FoxBet app. Make the call. Download the app today. you got to be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. On the phone lines now to talk all things Steelers and football related. It's our good friend of the show, good friend in real life, Mr. Chris Carter. CC, what's up, buddy? I'm great, Wes. How are you, my man? Oh, you know, just another Monday, rocking and rolling, plenty. To, I, I do, you know, like, I feel like I do much better radio, Chris, on Mondays, you know, than I do on Fridays. Like, I'm just, I'm a better, <laughs> I'm a better reactor than I am previewer. You know, I think, I think some people are really good at previewing games. Somebody, some people are really good at reacting to the games. I'm, I'm a reactor, I think, Chris. Hey, man, some people have their special talent. Some of us, you know, we're the all-around talent. So we can do <laughs> play offense and defense same time. Chris Carter, five-tool player on the line with us now. Yes, sir. Uh, Chris, let's get right into it, man. Matt Canada, nothing official yet, but a lot of credible people reporting that that is going to be the offensive coordinator hire for the Steelers. He will fill that OC vacancy after one year with the organization. Status quo, definition of insanity, or is this a little bit different? I feel like this is different, Wes. You know, for all people like, oh, they just promoted from within again. Matt Canada has been not just in, with the Steelers, but in the NFL for one season. This is a brand new type of thing. I mean, you look at Bruce Arians, Todd Haley, Randy Feetner, all of them had been with the team for multiple years. They had a resume. This is his resume. You know, he had been, you know, and part of this also definitely comes from the Steelers probably got to look at this guy when he was with, with Pitt a few years ago and maybe had some interesting conversations and things that they liked from that. But building into this year, he got he got to work with Mason Rudolph. He got to work with the quarterbacks. You saw a little bit of some of his ideas work their way into Randy Feeder's playbook this year. Um, you know, this is this is the Steelers saying, "Hey, you know what? We see enough from this guy. We want to see what, what direction he could take the offense." You know, is it a complete reshaping? No, because they're not going to completely reshape the offense. You know, if if Ben Roethlisberger is not retiring or they're not cutting him, there's nothing to completely reshape now. Do you want to completely bring up a rushing offense? That has to be different this year. And I think that's what they're trying to say with this guy. They're going to say, hey, you know what? We, we, you, know, you, you recognize that even if the Steelers invest in the offensive line this year, Wes, there's going to need to be growth there, and you're going to need to find creative ways to run the football without a mobile quarterback if Ben Roethlisberger is your guy. And maybe that's what they're looking for from Canada, that he can work something into that. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, and the Locked On Steelers podcast with us here on the Afternoon Delight. Uh, Chris, I joined you on Locked On today. One of the things we talked about, and I know that this isn't exactly popular, you know, Steelers fans, they want an answer, they want an opinion, they want a take. But with a lot of this stuff, right, Mac, with Mac, as it relates to Mac Canada I'm talking about here, we're just not we're just not going to know until the Steelers start playing meaningful games, right? Like, we can spend all offseason, we can spend the entire summer arguing about Oh, no, you know, Matt Canada, he's just a patsy for Ben, right? He's just going to do whatever Ben wants to do versus, no, this is the Steelers really holding Ben's feet to the fire and, you know, bringing in a new voice and a new vision to chart a different course for the offense. When it comes down to it, though, we just going to have to wait until September when they start playing meaningful games to really tangibly see what this means for the offense and Ben Roethlisberger? Absolutely. This is going to just come down to you having to wait, you know? Uh, you know, this is, and, and I know it sticks to Steelers fans because, you know, for, for a lot of people, that loss to the Browns is still fresh in your mind. And you're thinking like, man, like you want to taste 
you know, some sense of change or some sense of redemption to make you feel better about that. It's, it's, it's not going to happen for some time, you know, unless, you know, some, and a lot of people want their pound of flesh. Some people want Mike Tomlin fired. A lot of people wanted Randy Fickner gone while well, he is, um, you know, but you're not going to see, you know, just this grand overhaul of the team, especially when, again, this team has still has several young players that look very good to great right now. I mean, the, both T.J. Watt and Nick Fitzpatrick are still on their rookie deals, and they just got named to the all-NFL team by the Professional Football Writers Association. Like, they, th- those guys are at the top of, of, the, of the league, and they're still growing. And then you still got people like Devin Bush. You still got people like Kevin Dotson, who didn't even start in that playoff game, and everyone's thinking, like, man, he looks a really great part of the future. Chase Claypool scored 13 touchdowns this year. You know, like Deontay Johnson still on his rookie contract, looking good. You know, they've got a lot of different pieces that they could move around and say, hey, you know, this could be the nucleus of the future. That's the thing. When you, when you have that, it's different than, you know, like the Patriots with Tom Brady. Or even when you look back to the Steelers of the 70s, when, when, when Bradshaw left, it wasn't just that Bradshaw left, left. Left, you know, Joe Green retired. They didn't have a guy right behind him. Franco Harris was on his last leg. You know, it's. That that whole generation went went out to make the what the happened with the eighty Steelers, and you know it, that's that's when you have to do a full rebuild. Even if Ben Roethlisberger were to retire right now, the Steelers would probably need to move one big piece and a draft pick, and they could probably move up and go get their quarterback of the mm. future if they felt like they really needed to. But again, I think that they they're in a place where they can say, you know what, we got a lot of young pieces. We like where they're how they're growing. We just need to keep building the you know the machine that we've got here for the future. And when we're ready to make the quarterback move, we do. But I you know again, you're not going to see your pound of flesh. You're not going to see your big changing moves. Um, you know, really this year, it's going to come down to what we see next year. And, and again, what we see next year is going to depend on the personnel. Wes, you know, you and I have talked about. What do they do in free agency? Do they sign a, a center? Do they sign a tackle? Do they draft a tackle? Do they draft a running back? You know, all those different moves will determine what becomes the emphasis for this playbook come August. Whew, that's a whole lot to marinate. It's a whole lot to chew on with our <laughs> buddy Chris Carter. Um, I guess as it relates, it's similar to this conversation with, with Ben Roethlisberger, Chris. Uh, here's what I'm worried about, Okay. One and five down the stretch this year. Um, A a division that's going to be much improved next year. Baltimore, I think, is not going to putz around like they did earlier in this season. We know what the Browns are capable of now. If Joe Burrow is back and healthy, Cincinnati, they're not going to win double-digit games, but they could certainly give anybody uh, a challenge. They could be a team that you could certainly see being on the rise next year. I watched the New Orleans Saints last night, Chris, and, and I watch how it all ended there with Drew Brees. I watched the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers down the stretch with Ben Roethlisberger. And could next year for the Steelers look a lot like what we saw from New Orleans last night? Good roster, capable team, but even with a much better running back than we have here in Pittsburgh or are probably going to have here in Pittsburgh, they're too one-dimensional, they're too predictable, they turn the ball over, and they end up losing to a team that they beat pretty easily twice earlier in the year. I just, as I sat there last night, I kept thinking, oh no, this is going to be the fate for the Steelers next year, except for worse, Chris. Like, it might be week 17 when that thing is ending and not two rounds into the playoffs. Well, the one thing I'll say about the difference there is that you look at the passes that Drew Brees is throwing versus the passes that Ben Roethlisberger is throwing. They, those guys are in two different, co- completely physical standpoints in their career. Drew Brees' arm is toast, and it was toast last year, too. Um, 
Ben Roethlisberger's arm isn't toast. It's not what it used to be. It's not that I can zip a ball 50 yards down the field on a straight line. Um, but he can still move, get the ball down the field. I mean, and you saw that when, when the offense turned on against the Browns, he could hit the deep ball. It's, it is there. Ben's problems are more up in his head. I think that he, he doesn't – there's sometimes he comes out and he's not fully prepared for what he's seeing early on, and that leads to the Steelers' mistakes. I mean, they were the 24th-ranked offense scoring in the first quarter. Um, that, you know, that can't have to change because you need to get up on teams and use your offense as an advantage to, you know, to put, put pressure on other teams and let your defense do what it does best and get after the quarterback when they have to drop back deep. Um, you know, that, those are the things that need to improve. But, you know, again, you know, the Steelers, you know, with the Saints, they had to go out and get Emmanuel Sanders, an old, a really older version of Emmanuel Sanders, <laughs> to come out and try to be their number two guy. The Steelers don't have that problem. You know, they don't have a Michael Thomas, even though he did get shut down yesterday. Um, they, but, but they have Deontay Johnson, who looks really good. They, you have Chase Claypool, who's growing. You have James Washington, who is a really good 2-3 option at the wide receiver position. They might have Eric Ebron, which, again, He's at least a playmaker at catching the ball. And, again, if you re-up this offensive line and you get Ben a playmaker running back, you put yourself in a situation where you're like, hey, Ben's arm is still there. He can hurt you down the field. And now what I think will be huge for Matt Canada in this offense will be taking out, taking out those short throws that were so routine and so expected from the Steelers and turning those into the times when you run the ball. And then when you put the, the defense on the heel of, is that a run or is that play action? And we're about to get hit over our heads because Ben can throw the ball 40 yards down the field. Still, that's when you can start playing with defenders minds. And that's when you can take away the aggressiveness of the defense that we saw teams adjust to in those last six games. Cause the Ravens, Washington, the bills, the Bengals, the Browns, all they were doing was just saying, hey, we're going to jump that underneath stuff, and you have to beat us over the top. And it took Ben Roethlisberger too long to recognize uh, that that was what they were doing. And he did it against the Colts, which is why I was so confused why he wasn't doing it against the Browns to start that game. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be you know, anything crazy. I, just, I, do, I do think, though, the Steelers, they're not in the same predicament as the Saints because Drew Brees' arm is, you know, has been shot. And that's what's holding that's, – that's what held that offense back. I don't think Ben – Ben's arm isn't as strong as it used to be, but it's not a shot arm that can't get the ball 10 yards down the field. One more question here, Steelers-related for Chris Carter before we get to some, some more divisional round talk. Uh, Chris, if you were – you know, if you were the Steelers front office, if you were Steelers brass, right, um, you're Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, and Brandon Hunt all rolled into one person. What is, uh, what is priority number one for you as we – Enter the off season, uh, free agency, the you know the college scouting process. Who knows? I, I don't want to say combine because who knows what all that's going to look like this year. But the scouting process of pro days and, and things like that. As we enter the new league calendar here, um, what should be priority number one for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, but the priority number one before you can actually do any, all the things that need to be changing is talking to Ben and renegotiating that contract hmm. because. If you, as soon as you talk to Ben, hey, you want to be here? Great. Well, guess what? We need to make moves so that if you want to win next year, unless you want to just be a, on a, a passenger on a train that goes to that, that goes to nowhere, you need to you need to move some of your money. So I would work on an extension, and it can be an extension in name only, where you say, hey, we're going to move eight million dollars to 2022, and maybe another eight million dollars to 2023, and in doing so, we'll make that fully guaranteed. So you'll definitely get that money in those years, but. You, you need to help us open up more space. And also after that, you got to talk to players like Marquise Pouncey. I mean, I've, you know, we've heard that he's probably going to retire. If he doesn't, 
you need to either cut the ties there or severely cut into that contract because you need you need that dead money there. Um, I think they do those two things and maybe you know do some more you know moving the money around that they normally do. They could free up enough cap space to go get at least one offensive lineman that could start in free agency and do it at a reasonable price. Then in the draft, it's best player available, man. You go after you, you know, you're looking at linemen, you're looking at running backs, and that first pick, I think it has to address the offense and specifically the ground game. You know, you get yourself a Leatherwood, you look around with you know fillet layers. Uh, you know, I, I like some of the guys that you can that they can get there, but I also think they could get those guys in the second round if they can get a shot at Etienne or Harris in the first round. I think that's a super win for the offense because getting a playmaker tailback that can make people miss in the hole and you know convert. You know, uh, you know, a play where the line has blocked for four yards, but you turn that into 12 or 16 yards. Those are the type of things that Pittsburgh's been missing since the days of Le'Veon Bell and would be the things that would take the pressure off Ben Roethlisberger to have to complete, you know, 10 different shallow cross and slant patterns throughout a game and turn that into maybe he does that twice a game because you're running the ball so effectively. So that, that's, where I, that's where I'm at, Wes. The priority starts with Ben and then use that money to immediately address and reshape the offense. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast, our guest here on 970 ESPN. Chris, does anybody in America have a better gig than Sean Payton? I mean, what's it going to take for this guy to finally get the criticism that he deserves? Forget the past, right, of the three straight losing seasons, of the fact that he was suspended for an entire year because his defensive coordinator ran a bounty program under his tenure. This is now three straight years that the Saints have lost at home in games that they were, I don't want to say comfortably favored, but certainly favored, where they had a lead at some point in that game and ended up blowing it. Does like what's what's his deal? How does Sean Payton always escape criticism, not only from the national media, but from his own fan base in New Orleans? I don't get it. I mean, it certainly seems that way. You know, Sean Payton again. He had three straight losing seasons yep. where he got really high draft picks to build this team that he has now. You know, Mike Tomlin's never had that, and he faces fire Tomlin criticism. Yep. Mike McCarthy never had that in Green Bay, and he still got canned. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And, well, Michael Coffey did have a couple. I think he did have a couple losing. I think he had, well, right? I think he had but, two, yeah. <laughs> but not three. Yeah, not three. <laughs> right, right. Not three. But, the, <laughs> but, but, your, but your point still stands. Where are the fire Peyton calls hanging everywhere right now? Because this, was, this, this team has been just as geared up, maybe, maybe a little bit more geared up than the Steelers. When you look at players like Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin, Alvin Kamara, and you got Mike, Michael Thomas and the offensive line playing really well and Cameron Jordan, you get just piece after piece after piece. And you're thinking, what what the heck is going on? Why do they keep folding? And you look at some of those playoff losses. You know, people talk about Blake Bortles and Tim Tebow here, and you know, and Baker Mayfield this year, but they lost to Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins, and you're just looking at that like, man, like how do you keep losing at home? Um, you know, it's it is remarkable how he does not get that kind of criticism. And again, maybe it's just certain coaches they seem to get protected, but. Um, it, it's very interesting to me that he nor m- many other coaches that have the same dilemmas as, as Mike Tomlin, um, you know, aren't being called out the same way. But hey, you know what? It's just a further reminder that and I said this on our website at dkpittsburghsports.com when I was asked the same question. Um, it's a further reminder to me that the playoffs are just so hard to advance in hmm. year after year. You know, you know, there's very Bill Belichick and the Patriots were one of the only groups that did it consistently. But you look back throughout this last decade, what team 
won more than one Super Bowl in 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 that in that time. It was it was it was the Patriots, you know. Um, and, and everyone else, they had their they had a run here or there, but for the most part, they would they would fall up short and they would ha- they would have have their bad years. Unless you got the Superman at quarterback, like the Patriots had with Tom Brady for years, and now. Patrick Mahomes is that for the Chiefs, and you know Aaron Rodgers should be that for the Packers. But you know we're seeing we're seeing this is the first time they're back there in a while. That that's the answer. But it's a lot harder to get that far. And again, I don't think Sean Payton should be fired per se. I think that it's just an acknowledgement. Hey, this is a tough right. league to win in, and if you have one bad day in the playoffs, just one. You could be sent home packing. Um, I, I think that they should give Payton a little bit more time to find his his quarterback of the future, uh, but. Your point is 100% correct. We don't hear nearly the calls for him or other coaches that consistently lose in the playoffs that we do for Tomlin. Chris, you mentioned Tom Brady and the Patriots and just that insane streak of AFC and now NFC Conference Championship appearances for TB12. Uh, This is his 14th Conference Championship game, Chris. If Aaron Rodgers would have made it every year with the Packers since he started in Green Bay, since he became a starter in Green Bay – he still wouldn't have 14 conference championship appearances. It's insane, and you're absolutely right. You take Brady, you take Belichick out of the equation, nobody else has two rings, a head coach or quarterback in the NFL right now. I do think that's well said uh, by our buddy Chris Carter. All right, uh, looking ahead to this weekend. Rodgers, Rodgers versus Brady. We got the Bills versus the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, his status still up in the air, but some of the early reports this morning sound good. Uh, so, simple question for you, Chris, since I won't talk to you till next week. Uh, who you got this weekend? Who comes out of the NFC? Who comes out of the AFC? I still think the Packers are, are, are going to be the class of the NFC. You know, the, the, the Buccaneers deserve a lot of credit for their young, play, young defenders making plays. Uh, you know, they got you know, the Devin White being a bad man Beast. on the middle the way you knew he would be a bad man. You got Antoine Winfield playing safety the way, you know, I was really excited to see him play safety this year. And next to him, of course, H2P, Jordan Whitehead, making big plays out there as, a, as, as an alumnus of, of the Pitt Panthers. Uh, they, they've, got, they've got playmakers around, but they're still a very young team, and they, they don't have the consistency on offense that, that Green Bay does. And, and Aaron Rodgers, to me, he's like Kobe Bryant. He's an assassin. Not that Tom Brady isn't, but, but Aaron Rodgers is still in his prime for me. He's going to come out, and you're not going to see him make the mistakes that Drew Brees did in this game. And that was really what helped the Buccaneers get over what the Saints were doing as a team was was feeding off of Drew Brees, you know, some of his bad passes because his arm isn't there anymore. Aaron Rodgers ain't giving you that advantage. I, I got the Packers winning that one. And if Mahomes comes back and plays, I, I think the Chiefs could take the Bills. Uh, but I will say this, I will say this, the, the Bills have shown some serious resilience whenever they run into struggles this year. Um, their defense has played, played really tough against the Ravens. But I don't know how well they'll stand up if Patrick Mahomes is in full force and throwing the ball down the field. And you see Tyreek Hill, you know, pushing <laughs> coaches and you know and, uh, and and converting with Chad Henney out there. Um, you know, I still got the Chiefs, and I think it's going to be a good old fashioned Super Bowl one rematch: Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and the Super Bowl that the NFL wanted all along, seeing you know a, a guard of the old versus a guard of the new duking it out in super quarterback fashion on Super Bowl Sunday. Last one for you here, Chris, and I'm going to totally transition here, and I hope this doesn't catch you off guard, but I don't think it will. Um, Totally not sports-related here, but you are, I think, one of the most thoughtful guys that I know. 
Um, everything oh. you say, you're calculated, you're educated, all other nice, you know, attributes that I could certainly uh, lay upon your feet here. Um, but I, I just wanted to give you a second here before I let you go to uh, tell me what Martin Luther King Day means to you. I, you know, you and I grew up right in the same relative area, I think probably about a half an hour from each other. But I, I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people like me, um, that grew up in the suburbs of cities where I went to a high school, there was 230 kids in my graduating class. We had one minority out of 230. And so I don't think until I got into college and got into the workforce that I really understood what MLK Day meant to a lot of people. And and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that before I let you go. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, Wes. Uh, You know, Martin Luther King Day has always held a huge place in the heart for, for America, but an even bigger place in the heart for black America. And um, the words of Martin Luther King have always meant a lot to, pe- to people, but the, the sense of service that he reminds you of every time that, that, that you look up his history. And what, what I urge people to do is don't watch the I Have a Dream speech. Don't watch the things that are, that are, that are such good you know, surface material if you want to learn the basics of Dr. King. Look, look up things that his children have said about him. You know, Bernie's King is a great follow on Twitter. It's one of his daughters. And Look up how Martin Luther King acted and strategized and what he talked about when, you know, and the things that don't always get highlighted when you see the, the specials on national television and the things that everyone likes to promote, you know, about everybody being equal. He talks about the real hard challenges that we face in America. And some of those challenges are things that aren't getting addressed enough right now, you know, acknowledging where oppression is meeting people and people are and people are willing to be silent about it because it doesn't impact them and remembering that if you're in a place of comfort if you're if you're standing somewhere where you're feeling that you're fine now there's people out there that could still use your help that's something that always speaks to me Martin, Martin Luther King Day and I've been blessed in my life I grew up in a family with, with both my parents um, I got to attend school I got to go to college I got to go to law school I work a good job right now I've always had a roof over my head but I still I work with the Community Empowerment Association. I volunteer with Mad Dev. You know, I try to find ways to give back to my community and say, you know what, I may, things may be working out for me, but there's a lot of people that if I was them in their situation, I'd be right where they are because you know I got to, and I, I recognize that that's the kind of giving back that you have to look and say, like you know what, um, you know we've seen you know we've we've seen a lot of violence. In, in, our, in our own communities. And that's what Mad Dad stands for, is, is teaching our young people that there's a different way and helping them find their way out of those problems, but also acknowledging where the problems are in front of us when it comes to the law, when it comes to how we're treated at the hands of police officers, when it comes to how we're treated in politics and, and, the, and the decisions that get made from our politicians. And those are the things that Martin Luther King marched against. It's about finding where you can help there and doing everything you can to be part of something like that. And that's what, means, that's what it means to be on MLK Day because that man dedicated his life to this country, to his people, and to showing us that there's a better way than trying to ignore the problems and hoping for the best simply because you're sitting in the comfort of your own home and things are going great for you. So I ask if, if you go do that, go, go look up, read, read an actual book about the, the life of Dr. King and some of the challenges he did. You know, watch King in the Wilderness and some of the challenges that he faced. You know, after the Montgomery bus boycott, it will truly enlighten you about all the struggles that went behind the superhero figure that we see Martin Luther King and humanize them and understand that, hey, there can be a little bit of a hero in you, too. 
Well said. Well said. Chris, I, I know I kind of put you on the spot there with that last one, but I really appreciate it, man. Very well said. I, like I said, I, I know you're always calculated. You're always um, willing to share your thoughts, and, and I really appreciate you uh, lending your football knowledge and your real-world knowledge here on the show, as always. Uh, Chris Carter on Twitter, at Carter Critiques. Read his work, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Listen to him every day on the Locked On Steelers podcast. You might even catch me on there uh, from time to time. Chris, great stuff, buddy. I really appreciate it, as always. Appreciate you, too, Wes. You take care. There he is, Chris Carter. Great stuff. Love that guy. Like I said, friend of the show, friend in real life. I mean, I tell you what, if, if we could agree on the same college, I mean, we would be we would just be completely simpatico. 412-919-1316 on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. If you uh, want to join in on the conversation, when I come back here, we're going to talk about the touchback rule. A little controversy in that Browns game. I'll tell you everything that you should think about the touchback rule. We'll talk through the touchback rule. Touchback when we come back. It's the Afternoon Delight on ESPN Pittsburgh.